0: Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever heard people saying that they didn't know how bad things were in their lives until they got out of a situation? Well, this was not the case for me. I always knew how bad my situation was, and I always wanted to escape it, unfortunately. I didn't have the means. For many years I had no choice but to stay there and suffer, letting them hurt me, letting them brainwash me, letting them steal my body and soul, but those days are over. This statement could be seen as confusing to people who grew up normally. But you need to understand that I didn't. I had the misfortune to be born in a town in the middle of the woods. A small town full of crazy religious Kool-Aid drinkers who had almost no contact with the world outside of the woods. The town was founded by my great granddad Mr. Smith, back in early 1910. Not many people had heard about us. Since our main objective is to live our lives as distanced from the temptations of the world as possible, like many other people who start a cult, Mr. Smith came up with the idea that the world was impure and God was angry at the world, so God came to him to express his disappointment and told him he will only forgive the sins of those who have repented and show signs of living a proper life before their deaths. God supposedly told great-granddad that he would only let into heaven those who lived a pure life away from all of temptation. Mr. Smith then decided to move his family and wife, five children, including my granddad, to the woods where he and his older sons, Joshua and Joseph, built their house. Once they finished building their house, They decided to build more houses because the idea was to recruit people into living with them and adapt to their new lifestyle. And in no time, Granddad managed to convince a couple of families from their old town to move into the woods with them. And soon after the other families moved, Mr. Smith married off his three older children, Joshua, Joseph, and Ruth. Mr. Smith got lucky that the First World War began soon. So he managed to attract people to move to the woods, promising an escape from the problems the world was going through. And So he managed to bring a few more people to New Life, the name he chose for our town. When Mr. Smith died, my granddad, Joseph, was the first person in charge of the church. It would have been Joshua, the eldest son. But he died a few years before Mr. Smith from an unknown disease, since nobody at New Life was allowed to visit the doctors, as they thought the prayers and rituals would cure them, because that's what Mr. Smith taught them to believe. Granddad Joseph was no better than Mr. Smith. He was cold, holier than thou, and a liar. Granddad followed the same lies and patterns that his father did, and even decided to add some other bullshit. According to him, God had told him that for the people in New Life to be healthy, they needed to do a very specific ritual. Since Mr. Smith was in charge, there were different rituals performed in town, but nothing as dangerous as the Feast of Blood. A ritual where the town's adults get together with sacrificial knives and chase after one another with the purpose of cutting and stabbing each other. Once the adults are wounded, they are helped by the town's youth, who help them drain their blood and put them into goblets for everyone to drink after midnight. As crazy as it sounds, people in New Life followed all the rules, including the Feast of Blood Ritual. This ritual persisted even after granddad Joseph died. When my granddad passed away, he had only had one child, my mom. But because she was a woman, she could not be appointed as the new leader. However, very conveniently, her husband, my father, magically got the gift of communicating to God just like Joseph and Mr. Smith did. And so my dad became the leader. There's just something about the leaders in new life. Just when you think that a previous leader is bad, the new ones manage to be worse. My dad was a calculative person. He was the son of a single woman who was brought by granddad many years ago. His mom died when he was 16 years old, during the Feast of Blood, but he was lucky to be put under granddad's wings, and about a year later, mom was married to dad. Father, as he made us call him, was the son that Grandad never had since he arrived at the woods at age 10. A year after my parents got married, they had my sister Colette. Two years later, they had my brother Edmund. And five years after that, they had me. Joseph, unfortunately, I carry the misfortune of being named after my tyrant of a grandfather. Now, as you may have noticed, I seem to hate the place where I was born. Well, that's because I do. Since I was a kid, I've always questioned why we follow the rules we follow. When I was a kid, I used to go to town with my father, Edmund, and a couple of our cousins to get the food and other supplies that everybody needed. And I always wondered why only us could come and not the other people who lived with us. My father's only answer was that... If we let our followers, as we called them, interact with the normal world, they would get a taste of it, and then they would rebel against us in our way of living. When I asked Dad why we were the ones allowed to interact with the outside world, he would tell me that our family was special, that we were above others because we've been particularly blessed by God so we would be safe. Now, even when I was young, well... I found this answer very unsatisfactory. I always wondered, if that were true, then why my mom and Colette weren't allowed to go out? While growing up, I always thought many things that happened at the cult were unfair and unnecessary, and definitely the thing that annoyed me the most was the feast of blood. Although the festival is traumatic to any child who has to help the adults pour their blood into the goblets or drink blood as part of the ritual, or to any adult who had just joined us and has to be part of it as well. Eventually, most people get used to it. Some don't, but they never dare question it and still participate. Others question it so much to the point that they abandon new life. And we never saw them again. Because our town has existed since 1910, our leader recruiting people every so often and having plenty of children being encouraged amongst our people, you'd think that our settlement has a huge population. This is far from the truth. Our numbers tend to be between 120 and 250 maximum. The low number is because we have many people dying from getting sick. There had been women who die in childbirth. In other cases, people who had been born sick but never received any treatment. People who got sick suddenly and died. But despite this happening, we're just simply encouraged to keep praying and participating in the Feast of Blood. Which is more of a problem than a solution, since at least seven people die every year during it. There was a time when I remember 30 people that died. Our leaders always say that if someone died, it's because God wanted it that way. They even encourage the ritual by saying that those who survived have received a gift from God to keep alive and healthy, but they have to continue doing so to keep receiving health. Now, Many of these statements are contradictory, but our people just buy what our Father says just as they bought what granddad and Mr. Smith said. When it is almost time for the feast to happen, which is every year before winter, there's always a group of people who show signs of being done with it and abandon our town. We never hear from them again and often get told stories about how bad they're doing living with the rest of the sinners in society. As a kid, I was told by my family and friends how to act the way God told Father we should act, how to obey, not to question our leaders and faith and other things like that. But as I grew up and was not the perfect child of God, things got a lot harder for me. Colette, my sister, used to be very similar to me personality-wise, but at the age of 19, she abandoned the life alongside a man from one of our most complicated families. Colette was supposed to marry Donald, our brother's, Edmund's best friend. But she and the guy she escaped with, Julius, had always loved each other, so they escaped before the wedding. During our sermons, Dad loved to speak about how God was punishing Colette and Julius, who were now living as homeless in the big city and had a sick child. During his sermons, Dad often told us the horror stories about people who left the settlement. They all had tragic stories. Some of them were homeless, others were criminals, many were sick, and some even died. And according to Dad, every single person had begged him to have them back, but he refused because we always got told once we left we could never come back because we were no longer clean it was all bullshit you know i never bought these stories and definitely i got more bitter in our beliefs when dad and everybody began to talk about colette you know she was the sweetest person and her and julius they're very smart I remember they often escaped that night to go to the big city where Julius even had some cousins. I knew the stories about them couldn't be true, and most likely neither were the stories about the others. But after Colette left, things at home they just got worse. Mom was always a very submissive person, always so quiet and shy, but she used to be somewhat sweet. However. My sister leaving took a toll on our mother. She became even quieter after that. She'd hide in her room almost every day and cry. Basically, she only cared about putting it together when we were at church. And that's because she was forced by my father to do so. Mom was always close to me when I was little. But after my sister left, she tried to be even closer to me. But oddly... She was more overprotective and paranoid, always telling me to do this or that, always trying to find ways for me to do what the golden kids in New Life were doing. Edmund was always a jerk. He was always very entitled because he knew one day he would be our next leader. He was a smug, and him and his friends loved to make fun of me because of my stutter, and because according to them, I was odd so they called me names father on the other hand was hardly ever at home but when he was he acted even worse than he did at church luckily for me father was almost always at the church or just out with people so i didn't have to deal much with him during the day you want to hear about the feast of blood so going back to the feast of blood there's nothing that could describe how bad it is. My first experience at the feast happened when I was six, the age when you start participating. I was told to help a woman named Florence to drain her blood into the goblets. The woman had it bad. She didn't just have a few cuts here and there. She had been stabbed more than once. The woman was out of breath, bleeding a lot. And kept begging to be taken to the hospital. I didn't even want to come anywhere near her. I was so scared. But the adults kept telling me not to waste her blood. In the end, that woman ended up dying in front of me. I still can't forget that image. Over the next few years, I couldn't avoid the festival. But I always made sure to run and grab the least wounded person. I often opted for helping my mom, dad or brother because they were almost intact after this. because Most people didn't dare to cut them badly. People like me, who are afraid of participating in the Feast of Blood, tend to get it worse when the event comes, because it's seen as weak links who need to be taught how to participate. and how to appreciate the festival. In other words, people tried to taunt us. When I first participated at the festival, I was 18, which is the age when one normally participates in this ritual. Needless to say, it was terrible. Although I didn't feel as if people were trying to kill me, I did feel no one cared a bit that I was the leader's son or that this was my first time at the feast as someone who offers blood. Thankfully, I was not part of the group of people who died, which was four of them that year. But I did get a few bad cuts, including one that almost didn't stop bleeding. After people drain their blood, we're supposed to leave the goblets at the church for a few hours, while we attend those who need help after the feast and clean ourselves. Once the clock hits midnight, we go to the church where we pray and drink from the goblets. If my first experience at the feast sounds bad, the second one was even worse. After my first experience at the feast, I became even more quiet and secluded, and stopped giving a fuck about what other people would think of me. This, of course, made Edmund and my father very upset and I often got told sermons at home, and I was often told sermons at home. Mom was trying to keep me from acting out, as she'd say. I was never the town's most beloved person, but I became the black sheep. When the second time for me to be part of the feast of blood happened, I was reluctant. One evening as we were having dinner at home, I even confronted my dad in front of mom. Edmund, and his wife Lauren. Why do the most pure and correct people in our church don't get hurt? And often the new people, who didn't get used to it yet, and those not so beloved, would often perish or end up with severe wounds. It doesn't make sense to me why those with the purest blood offer the least. Isn't that what we need in our bodies? I asked my father. Well, maybe that's what God wants, don't you think? Edmund rushed to answer, but he was quickly stopped by my father, who gave me a warning. I don't expect you to understand. I know you question our faith, but I know you'll soon believe. Remember, we need to cleanse our bodies from impurities. I bet you have a lot to offer this year father calmly said as he continued having his dinner I wanted to ignore his words and thought they had no meaning but when the day of the feast came I soon understood what father meant normally everybody in new life reunited outside the church and we'd wait patiently for the sun to set as soon as this happened everybody ran to wherever they wanted to be as my dad counted a 60. Once he finished doing so, he would shoot a gun into the sky, and this indicated that we were allowed to chase after others and cut them. This time, I didn't want to be part of anything too risky. Last year, I didn't cut anyone, and this time would be the same. I didn't want to hurt others. Also, I didn't want to get hurt either, and so I had a plan. Since we lived in the woods, we normally run around there. However, we were only allowed to run until certain areas. Everybody knew the areas very well. And each year, we got reminded how far we could go. But my idea was to run beyond the area and go hide in a ditch behind an old tree. A place where I sometimes would hide to read a few books that were part of our forbidden literature books that had been confiscated from newcomers. As soon as we could run, I ran as fast as I could towards my spot. Of course, I tried to be careful so that the people wouldn't see me. Thankfully, I managed to get there without a problem. Or so I thought. The feast normally runs for about an hour. And 45 minutes into it, I was surprised by my brother and two of his friends who found my spot. They got me out and escorted me all the way back to the church. And by the time we got there, most people were already by the church, draining their blood and attending their wounds. Father, we found him hiding like a coward, avoiding to participate in the festival, ignoring God and his community, just sitting there, being lazy and reading things he should not be reading, Edmund said as he showed the books I had with me. Father gave the order for Edmund and his friend to restrain me, and then told the whole town to look at what was about to happen. Those who ignore God and do not answer his calls should be taught how to respect our Lord and Savior. Not only my son has skipped the festival while others bravely participated, if you decide to be part of New Life. You need to follow the rules, and if you do not follow them, then there's going to be heavier consequences from now on. Father said as he grabbed a knife and came towards me. He then proceeded to slash at my chest. Let's see who dares not to participate next year, he said as he handed Edmund the knife. And after that, my memory is blurred out because of the amount of blood I lost that day. I have some flashbacks of Edmund and his friends and other people in town, including women, cutting me. However, some were worse than others. And some just full-on stabbed me. I was in a coma for a week after the event. And how I did not die, I do not know. When I woke up, I was still too weak to get out of bed. All I saw bloody bandages covering my arms, back, and legs. Two weeks passed and I was still in bed, being looked after by my mom and Lorne. When I tried to speak to mom about the incident, she kept brushing things off, almost as if she was in denial of what had happened. On the other hand, Lorne, whom I always thought as Edmund's little minion, did surprise me a lot she looked after me very well and was very apologetic regarding what happened. She even told me all that had happened that day and said that she was still mad at Edmund and even confessed to me that she did not want him as a husband. But she couldn't do anything because her dad and ours were good friends. One day as everybody was at church except for Lauren who was looking after me She told me that as she was speaking to Edmund, he let something slip. Basically, what he said was that Dad, Edmund, and Donald killed Colette and Julius when they were trying to escape. Lauren believes it was because of Edmund ratted to our dad. And I always had the suspicion that something bad happened to the people who left town. Not because of God punished them, but because of my father and what others did. I was so angry, I wanted to take my bandages off and go to the church and confront them. But Lauren calmed me down and eventually, she convinced me of something else. She mentioned that we should leave. And so we began talking about a plan. I would pretend that I was still very ill from my wounds, so that Lauren still had to look after me on Sunday. And then when everybody was at church, we'd escape together. I had to pretend to be ill for a week while mom looked after me, but one Sunday came. Everybody in town was in church. Lauren and I left the house with nothing but what we were wearing in a backpack. Although we did grab money from Edmund, not $300 to be exact. We knew it was risky to leave. We were afraid because we knew some people had gotten killed for leaving town, but normally it's people that were being watched or suspected while I was someone that my father and others could suspect due to my condition nobody expected me to leave now and certainly nobody expected quiet and perfect golden wife Lorne to steal from her husband and escape thanks to everybody being in church nobody noticed us leaving the house and then running through the woods Lauren kept telling me to slow down and take things easy, but I was too afraid of being caught, so I kept holding her hand while telling her to run faster. We must have run for an hour and a half until we finally noticed the road. The road was empty, and I was feeling weak from all the running, not to mention my wound still hurt like hell, so we had to sit down for a few minutes, although we were still afraid we'd be found. After a few minutes, we noticed a truck passing. The driver noticed, and so he stopped. "'Hey, are you okay?' the man said through his window. "'No, my little brother and I are trying to get somewhere. Can you take us?' Lauren asked the man. "'Sure thing,' the kind man answered. "'I'm going to New York, but I'll take you anywhere. To the hospital if your brother needs it. Just say where,' the man offered. "'New York?' Lauren said as she smiled at me, and I smiled back at her. That's our main destination. Please take us there, she practically begged. And then we hopped in the truck with this man named William. He was a nice man who transported goods from Maine to New York, New Hampshire, and other places. William tried to ask us a lot of questions. I avoided talking and let Lauren do all of it and excuse myself because of my stutter. She invented some sort of backstory that I don't even remember because of all the pain. More than once, I was asked by Lauren and William if I wanted to stop somewhere, or if I wanted to rest, but all I wanted was to get away from where I was as soon as possible. Once we arrived in New York many, many hours later, the man knew something was up. He gave us $100 and told us to contact him if we needed anything. He also offered to help if we needed, but we were too afraid to ask. He also was kind enough to take us to a motel and paid for a week's stay so Lauren and I would have somewhere to be. At the motel, Lauren and I were quick to make friends. Lauren began to speak to the owner. She gave her a job cleaning. For about five months, Lauren worked at the hotel, as I stayed pretty much doing nothing due to my pain. I did help out the hotel owners here and there, but I was pretty cut up. Things for her were doing well, but not so much for me. I started seeing doctors when I first moved there, but a few months after, I became addicted to painkillers, but it wasn't enough. The pain was still intense, and there was more than one person at the hotel that did drugs, and so I quickly started to hang out with them, and got introduced to some pretty hardcore stuff. Next thing I knew, Lauren and I kind of drifted apart. It was mainly my fault. She began dating another clerk from the hotel and moved in with him. I was still staying in the room she'd left me, but I felt useless letting her pay for me. Plus, she was trying to convince me to go to therapy and get clean. But I didn't want to, so I decided to move with a few of my new friends to somewhere in Queens. I spent three years living with different people. Not doing much. Just living with them and going crazy, doing all sorts of things I wasn't allowed to do before. But I began feeling very ill one day. And this was not the regular pain I got from when I was stabbed and cut up and gashed and in a coma so I went to the clinic expecting the doctors to tell me it was nothing but it was I had contracted a blood disease from all my needle use it was probably one of the times I shared needles with some of my friends and well probably a few random strangers now I knew of this disease because my father always told us that if we had sex with people from outside the church, we'd get it. And We had some textbooks explaining what it is. The doctors explained to me it was treatable, but I was so full of anger anyway. I contemplated what to do after being told this. And then I knew. I had to take revenge on my family and everybody else in our cult, but not simple revenge. Something they didn't expect. Luckily for me, the feast of blood was in three weeks, and so I knew what to do. I went to speak to Lauren and her now husband, Ben, and told them what had happened to me. They felt very sorry for me and told me she could help me with whatever I needed. And so I asked her the question If you want to help me take Edmund, my father, your father, and everybody down, then come with me. Although she had her doubts. About a week later she agreed. A day before the Feast of Blood, Ben took us to the woods where we're from. We spied from far away for a few hours before the celebration and noticed the whole place seemed like always, but with a lot fewer people. When it was almost time for the feast to begin, Lauren and Ben moved far away from there and went back to the car, while I tried to take advantage of the people running around and being busy. And I entered the church and I hid in there. Lauren and Ben were instructed to wait for me while I did my thing. If I didn't show up the next morning, they'd call the police. Luckily, knowing the place perfectly paid off, and also the fact that I managed to enter the church through one of the back windows. Once there, I hid in the church library, knowing nobody would get in there. I heard screams all around me while I was hidden, but I stayed there, and eventually, I heard father Edmund and a few people entering the church to leave the goblets there for a few hours. I was so full of anger when I heard Father and Edmund, but I tried to calm myself, because I knew jumping from my hiding spot to hurt them would just get me killed, and I didn't want to jeopardize my revenge. Once they left the church, I got out of the library and walked around where the goblets were. I then grabbed the knife. I began to cut my arms and let my impure blood to be poured into their sacred goblets. I noticed there were only about 50 goblets, which meant there were now fewer people in town. I managed to put my blood in 30 goblets, including the ones that belonged to my family, which were marked with goat horns. I was very careful to make sure that there was no blood on the floor or anything. I then hid back in the library, and I stayed there until I could hear people were back and drinking from the goblets. Throughout the whole time I was hiding, I had to contain my laugh from knowing that they would soon pay for all that they did to Lorne, to Colette, to Julius, to me, and countless others. Hours later, after everybody left, I managed to escape and headed towards the direction where Lauren and Ben were supposed to be. They knew about my plan and were satisfied I had managed to do it. The same day we were back in New York. We never spoke about what I did, but I knew for a fact that none of us regretted it. I began my treatment soon after that and both Lauren and I began to properly enjoy our lives. I also decided to move back to Maine to live in the town where my family and I often went to buy our groceries. I just always liked that place. And years later, when I was at the supermarket, I saw one of Edmund's old friends. He approached me and surprisingly enough asked me to forgive him. When I asked him what had happened to him and why he looked so different. He explained how lots of people in the cults became sick and dad wouldn't let them go to the doctors. Eventually, Edmund became very ill and father, being a hypocrite, took him to the hospital where he got told he had HIV. Father got tested too and he was positive, so was Edmund's friend. Dad tried to bribe the friends so that he wouldn't tell the others, but he refused to and told them anyways. After that, lots of people left. In fact, more than half. A few who stayed died quickly after. Edmund and Mom died soon after that too. And according to Edmund's friend, the last thing he knew? Father was all alone back in the woods. And he had gone mad. I do not feel sorry for that. Nobody in the cult was innocent. The most innocent one used to be me. And now look at me. Maybe it's extremely unorthodox, but I'm glad the cult dissolved. And I'm definitely glad Father is all alone and soon to be dead. Even if I might also die soon. I'm certain that now I won't be able to enter heaven. But it's okay. As long as those bastards know they won't either.